1: Tristan Finnaiduenu wants us to unleash our imaginations. A playwright, actor, and director of Ghanaian heritage and raised in South London, he's committed to telling stories that are wild, seasoned, and passionate. He's the director of a brand new play for black boys who have considered suicide when the hue gets too heavy, which brings together six young black men who meet for group therapy and let their hearts and imaginations run wild. Our conversation explores the limitations put on expressions of our anger building support for mental and emotional health in the process of theater making, a limitless Black Britishness, and what he hopes we take away from the work he puts out into the world. I'm Josh Rivers, and I'm Busy Being Black with Tristan Finnaiduenu. Tristan, thank you so much for making time for me and for Busy BM Black listeners. I'm really glad to have you
2: here. Really, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me, to be honest. So yeah, thank you.
1: Uh, to open our conversation, um, I'll ask you what I ask most of my guests. How's your heart?
2: My heart to, today is being pulled in a lot of places. Um, it's full of things that uh, are now coming to the surface because I am busy, but I am less busy outside of work. So now that all I have to do is concentrate on work, a lot of the things that I could keep down are coming to the surface, whether good, whether bad. Um, so my heart is being pulled. Of course, you went there,
1: off the bat. (laughs) Oh, no, I... Of course, of course, no, I'm... (laughs) It's just so funny. I always think the universe slash the ancestors are always working. And I I had a nap this afternoon because I just felt really tired. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go. And the kids were kind of running around upstairs and... My mom was watching them and I thought, you know what? Let me just go downstairs. And so I went to my room and I laid down and I woke up and I thought, I feel so angry. Like that's what's wrong with me. That's why I feel tired. I feel angry. And that confrontation with ourselves in those quiet moments, even when, even when there's the chaos of work or personal life happening, I think are so profound. And it's just so funny to me that, that, that you say this to kick off this conversation.
2: Yeah, I mean, in the in the play that we're going to talk about, that I'm part of, we do check-ins every day, and um, which is a new practice for me. Um, but because of how deep the issues of the play are, we all felt like it was important that we do do these check-ins, and we and we all partake. Um, whoever's in the room partakes, and so I've become more and more comfortable being as honest as I feel like right now I can afford to be, but still being honest, not lying, but still being honest. So that's where I'm at today. And if anybody else is feeling the same, that makes me feel great.
1: I, I love the affordability of honesty, right? Like what can, what can we afford to express? Because that's mm-hmm. what I was thinking about, you know, and reflecting about my anger. Is that I don't feel like I can express my anger, right? I feel like it are, it always has to be metabolized into something else, something productive, ooh, ooh, ooh. and ooh. I I sometimes I sometimes I just want to scream, like particularly now I just feel particularly enraged at the world that we live in, right? At what our trans siblings are facing, at the way Black people are killed like there's so much to be angry about and it often feels like I don't have an appropriate outlet for that
2: I was talking about this with someone yesterday but it's like I'm really angry and what's making me angrier and I don't know if you feel the same is that because you're in a position of leadership or you're a role model or whatever it is, it's not to say that you cannot be angry in those spaces, but it's to say that as much as you would like to, there's only so much you can express the full depth of your anger. Because let's be real, if you were to go all the way in and go into the real nitty gritty, people will be crying and not work again. People will be like. <laughs> There's so much, I'm I'm angry because I am so understanding of my responsibility when sometimes it feels like a lot of other people are not.
1: And an admission to feeling angry is acceptable. The expression of that anger is not.
2: Yes. Yes. I cannot jump out the window. I cannot smash the window. I can't have a a huge meltdown. And it's not so much that I want to, but I I just know that the option is not afforded to me. Because if I do that, the whole ship goes down. And I would be even angrier if the whole ship goes down. (laughs) So it's like, what I will say is, and I haven't fully got it all right yet, But what I will say is that I'm beginning to really find the places where I can put my anger.
1: Um, Say more about that.
2: I have a therapist now, um, a personal one. uh, Well, not personal, I in private one um, that I meet once a week. um, And I can put my anger into him and he's always open to that he actually asks his, to, to, me to just offload as much and as truthfully as I can. So I feel like I have that place now. And I and I am aware that I, I, I can just about afford that now for now. Um, which is something as well. Um, I feel like I a lot of my friends like my good friends have been asking me to talk to them. And I've been so scared of letting them into the depths of not just my anger but my darkness, my negative energy, in the fear that it will scare them or they will pity me. Mm. Um, and this is when I say that, this doesn't necessarily mean this doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't people that are not going to be scared or are gonna be pitying me, but it's more so um i'm choosing the right people
1: i just noted down here the truth of our anger you you alluded to that just now that you have a therapist who asks you to be truthful about what is angering you and that really lit something up in me that's part of it right that mm. whether you're a podcast creator trying to create something healing and nurturing for the community, whether you're a theater maker, there's always a translation of the anger, right? Into something acceptable, digestible, understandable, approachable for other people. And that maybe we lose something in that as the people who are
2: angry, right? I think when I say responsibility, it's knowing full well and, and 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 I say this not necessarily for people to decide to, yeah, be as angry as you like and be smashing people in the face and be doing all that destructive stuff. It's not to say that. And I want to make that clear because I also don't think that's the way forward. But it's to say that it has to go somewhere. And I think I'm trying to find my place where it goes. Does it go in writing? Um, does it go in gym does it go and does it always have to go in that one place and this can it shift and change every now and then I think there needs to be place for for the raw that's what I'm going to call it the raw or the wrath rather Um, if you want to go on I was thinking about the seven deadly sins recently I was like ah let's go on the wrath because we seven deadly sins are only deadly because they are so common and they are so easy to 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 feel and then destroy because of it's, I've, I'm, I've been thinking about that, that it's not necessarily that we shouldn't feel the seven deadly sins. We are going to, they are feelings. <laughs> they are feelings. Mm-hmm. We cannot shut ourselves off from the feelings, but what we can do is be, be very careful and clear about what we do with them. Uh, and wrath, we need to find a way to put our wrath somewhere. Like for example, Um, In the play for Black Boys, we have a movement director called Theo, um, also known as Godson, um, in the dance world from Boy Blue, and his specialty is Crump. And now I'm not going to go too deeply into his personal story, but one thing he said that really resonated with me, it was something along the lines of Crump is where I can be that darkness. Because if you meet this guy, he's so calm. He's so calm. He's so like smiling, it's like, oh wow. And then when he crumps, it's like the world is shaking. The yeah. world is shaking. And he, and he says, this is where I can put it. And it's not necessarily just anger. It's, 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 it's the full expressions of the heightened version and the fiery version of me. You can say that's wrath. Some people say that's a mighty praise. That's because that's, um, he let us know where Crump came from and he actually came from quite a spiritual place. Um, but whatever it is that raw, he can put it there, and he can feel it there, and that is his therapy, which I think is a very beautiful thing. Um, and it's not to say that when he finishes, he will be absolutely fine, but he's he has been able to create a safe space for himself to do what he needs to do, um, and I think that's what we all need to find, um, and it's a lot harder than it sounds. So. It
1: doesn't yeah. sound easy to me <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: you know I wonder if that if you if you if you purposefully intentionally do the work that you do to to allow people or to give space to people to express themselves or their anger in particular I mean, do you see that as part of your role as a theater maker
2: ma I wouldn't say I'm giving you a space to express your anger because i I also kind of feel like only you can find that space and decide what that space is. I cannot decide that space for you. My role as the theatre maker is to merely stretch and exercise your imagination. We are playing a game on this stage, in this space, whatever it is, and the game is, I know there's some things are not there, fill it in. We'll do our bit, you do yours, and you're going to enjoy it. And that is, to, that is to exercise that muscle of your imagination, which is so important for us to live in this world as humans. To have an imagination as human beings is such a godly gift. And I will always advocate for the stretching of that. Um, now, if we stretch that imagination and in that you find an anger that is righteous, that is real, that is for you, that's good. You feel that imagination allows you to feel as it should and maybe it'll give you empathy to feel for others when they need that space. And you're able to go, well, I've done this. Maybe you can consider doing this or not.
1: It sounds to me quite symbiotic what you do, right? That you are pursuing this theater making. You are creating this space to explore a story for the writer, for the actors, to explore and extend their imaginations. And you invite people, a movement director, who expresses their anger through crump into that space, are you not then inspired by what people bring to that space? And does that not then inspire your imagination, right? Because I, I imagine you go into it with an idea of what can be created. And then all these people show up. I mean, that I, I say that because this is what my experience of busy has been that I credit Bissi Alimi who was the very first interviewee because he went to a place that I didn't even imagine I could have gone to, like a vulnerability he offered that I could only meet, right? I had to show up. And, and, and so I think that this process of, of, of creation is, it, it may not be purposeful or intentional, but actually what happens is kind of a cyclical symbiotic, like inspiration, imagination-making as well.
2: Um, firstly, the only thing I'm, 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 I wanted to correct you on one thing, I don't want I don't want to say that what my movement director does is just is just to channel his anger. Sure. I'm I'm gonna I, from my own mouth I'm gonna say it's to channel his raw. His raw, yes. His raw. Whatever that is, whatever that that that, that intensity is, it's that. Because I know when he crumps, it's not just anger. Sure. Which is very important to say, which brings me on to my next point in that when I create, yes of course it influences me and that in itself is very vulnerable I feel very vulnerable like this is my idea guys this is kind of my wild and wacky head and every time someone gets in my room or 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 reads my work because I also write as well and or 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 just sees me in a in a in a a talk or anything they're like Tristan your head is like wow and I'm like yeah welcome are you having a good time do you know what I mean, like like it's just it's vulnerable. I, I only only in the last few years that I realized, wow, every time I create, it's like I'm I'm just slapping my heart on the line and all I ask. And what I often get and I'm thankful for is that I get a lot of creators and collaborators that are slapping their heart on the line too. And it's like, here's our hearts in this really weird, mushy mess. And it's actually really beautiful. Um, because they are the first audience. They are the first people that should feel this work we're doing. I don't believe to treat my collaborators or my creatives as merely cogs in a wheel.
1: And it wouldn't do what you want to do, which is extend the imagination, right? Exactly. people were just cogs.
2: Exactly. How can I talk about sending all this imagination when the people in the room, they didn't get to extend it? What was the point? (laughs) Why did we come? (laughs) Like, um, so, in in that sense, yes, it is very much. We we just come with our own imaginations, and we also come with with, with very little sometimes as well. Where there are many times where I'm in a room, like I don't know what to do. Man. Mm.
1: We'll
2: find it. Yeah. Well, I like to say one thing. I like to say a lot of is I'm building, guys. I'm building. Bear with me. I'm building. <laughs> or give me five minutes, <laughs> and I'll find something. And 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 there's a level. That's the other thing. As much as there's vulnerability in that side of things, where I may not have my imagination on fire today or they may not have their imagination on fire today. There is a trust that, yes, you are still brilliant and I am still brilliant and we are still brilliant. We're all here for a reason, number one. And number two, we'll get there. It's okay, we'll get there. As long as I know that you're actually trying and they know that I'm really trying, one thing I found in my rooms, and in particular this room for black boys, is that there's there's a trust that we'll get there.
0: My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today.
1: MyPatriotSupply.com. I'm Josh Rivers, and this is Busy Being Black. Today, a conversation with playwright, actor, and director Tristan Finnaiduenu. He's the director of Ryan Calais Cameron's play for black boys who have considered suicide when the hue gets too heavy which pays homage to Ntozake Shanga's 1975 choreo poem for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. Ryan reaches out and says, I've got this play, which pays homage to like one of the most influential, important pieces of black art in history, (laughs) which has itself spawned so many, or given birth to is probably a more appropriate phrase, Mm. um, so many different... um, honorings right mm. because of its complexity because it allowed black mm. women to show up in a space as their fullest selves as their complicated messy selves as their ang- angry righteous selves i mean how do you how did you like receive that and then how do you how did you then kind of approach that task of of then making the thing
2: i think the first thing me and ryan have been talking about this play for a very long time. It's had many different iterations and reworkings. Um, but for this one, I think we came to the conclusion of we wanted to really make sure that we explored in as many ways as we could the Black British experience for Black men. And I think I came on it on that angle of, I'm very aware of that great black american masterpiece and we are paying homage to it by its title and the way have written it in itself i don't need to feel the weight of that i own i merely respect it not even merely. that's a, to respect it it's a huge thing in itself huge. So we, we merely respect it um but i don't need to feel like i must be as good or better than it because it is it is this is something completely different. Yeah, it might, be is, a,
1: it might be a template or a reference, but
2: not a standard. Exactly. Right, exactly. I get it. Um, and so approaching this text and the, the, the thickness and the fullness of this text, um, I just came to it from a point of, okay, one of the reasons why me and Ryan worked together really well on this text Um, is because he understands my love of of imagination and going as wild as we can and then as subtle and detailed as we can, like the two extremes. I'm I'm a very extreme person. And one thing that Ryan has always continuously said um, is that he wants this to feel like a black boy fantasia. He wants it to feel like it's just all these stories and colours and musics and movement and everything woven into a black British boy Fantasia and for me the way I came to approach it is like right we're going to go to the ends of the earth, we're going to go to heaven, we're going to go to hell, we're going to go to Mars, we're going to go to Jupiter we're going to go to the next solar system, we're going to go to the multiverse and then come back and, fight and see what we find and see what comes and what is well, what, 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 what works for this production right now because one thing that I'm really happy about is that Ryan has published this work and that this will be done in years and years and year, years to come. I promise you, you're going to hear this play or see this play on the West End, hopefully multiple times. It's going to tour to different parts of the world and it's going to tour and it's going to do those things because it is so uniquely and very, is very clearly wanting to show a Black British boy's experience. Mm. And that is not something we have seen in this particular way. We have seen Black British boys' experiences, sure. but we've seen them usually in a singular narrative.
1: Yeah, there, uh, I can think of a few, um, which, mm. which, which speak to a particular experience. And mm. that particular experience is the one most understood, perhaps, by people outside of our lived experience. Is that a nice... <laughs> I don't know why I'm mincing what? my words. It's my show. But <laughs> I think that we the, the, the expressions of a Black British boyhood or manhood that we see are ones that white people are comfortable with. Oh, yeah. That fit within a kind of a larger British uh, white narrative. And so you're and saying was... that this offers something a bit more realistic or a bit more honest?
2: I'm not even just saying just that because it, it's not to say... One of the things I want to be very clear on is I will never silence a story. If it's a story that you think needs to be heard, it needs to be heard. Um, the only thing I, I I should do is question when, why, how, where, because um, all of that's part of it. Um, but yes, but, but just be- to push
1: back on it a little bit, because the resonance of what you're doing wouldn't be so resonant if it wasn't mm. for the silencing of other voices right as in mm. voices like the ones you're putting forward through this play have mm. or expressions sorry of a black british boyhood haven't been the chosen ones and we are operating mm. within a system that selectively chooses stories and experiences that fit within a larger narrative so i don't mean to say that you know yours mm. comes at Um, at the expense of others but that yours emerges out of an erasure
2: Mm. but i think i think what i'm leading on to in in connection to to that is yes ryan has chosen some stories but it, it when you read it and when you watch the work it feels like so many different stories and topics and things that there is that. that what, is, what is special about this piece of work? Why I think it will tour and why I think it will be, have many different lives past me, past Ryan, past generations to come. Like for colored girls, was the diversity of stories and the multiplicity of stories in one piece of work. That is what is special about it. It is not to say that it is, oh, that story, I've not heard that story before. Not that I heard that story before. It is actually to say, I've heard this story, haven't heard this story, I've heard this story, haven't heard this story, and it's all in one piece.
1: Right, okay. I see what you're saying.
2: And so now I look at this story differently because I am... You, I, I, I've analyzed this story. I'm using the tools that I used to analyze this story. Look at this story, and now this story seems different. And now you, your perspective gets blown apart. It gets ripped apart because there are so many things to look at. Not everything in this play everybody will relate to, but there will be something that they do, and that's enough. And this
1: is perhaps to pick up on the word honest, which we've we've kind of spoken about already but there's an honesty in that representation of the diversity of our stories, right? I'm thinking of my relationship with my best friend. We are two completely different people from two completely different walks of life. And each of us understands ourselves better through the other, right? It's, it's that proximity to each other that helps provide some clarity.
2: Exactly. And, and, and that's, that's the word proximity. It's, I've just heard a story about this. I'm not going to spoil it for you guys. You're going to have to watch the show. That's but right. like, I just heard a story <laughs> about this. And then heard a story about this. And then heard a story about this. I heard a story about an apple. Now i am hearing a story about an orange. Now I'm hearing a story about a gorilla who likes apples and oranges. And you're having to go, ooh. I've just heard a story about a cake. And then I heard a story about the history of sugar that heard a story about a baker and seen how that all links without without leading you mm-hmm. does that make sense
1: no yeah you you put the buffet out and let people fill their plate
2: exactly <laughs> just to take a,
1: I use a cookout reference
2: <laughs> exactly it's true, it's, true. It's, it's, the, it's the barbecue and then the Chinese buffet and then the, the uh, what would we like to do the jollof and, and, and the chicken and the, and the stew and then fish and chips it's like whoa I didn't know I could have all this I'll eat what I eat but it's so good to see for me that even though I don't eat that I can see that mm. in the same space that's what I think is honest and that's what the piece asks you to do. It's not asking you to say, this is, just, this is your life. All of this character is your life. There are some times where you'll be with a character and then you'll go, oh, this isn't me. But then the character that you felt like was nothing to do with you will suddenly say something that is everything to do with you. Right. And it's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. I thought I knew who I was. Maybe not. Or maybe I know myself more than I think I did
1: and so what would you say is the overarching if you had to choose if you had to choose a thread that links these diverse stories together what is it
2: literally a group of six men come together in a therapeutic space to talk about their stories right that is it um and if you want to go deeper all six of these men at some point in their lives have wondered whether life is worth living. Mm. If, you want, if you want that, I'll give you that. At some point in their lives, they have all wondered, is this life worth living? And this is not to say that that leads on to just some of the deeper darker stories traumatic experiences that some of these men will go through which you will hear you will hear but it's also a question also asks you in a positive way too is this life worth living maybe sometimes maybe
1: and if i may i mean what's your relationship to that
2: question Is this life worth living? Yes, it is. It's hard. It's difficult. But the the simple answer is yes. This life is worth living because every year, day, second I spend on this earth, uh, I do something or I am something to both myself. I think this year, it's funny you've asked me this question because this year I'm having to really think about myself. If you asked me this question a few years ago, I'd be like, I feel like I'm doing something for other people and I love that. And don't get me wrong, I do. But I'm beginning to do things and learn to love myself. And that is worth living for. All the nasty bits, all the lovely bits. Um, and that's exciting to continue Exploring. So I would like to continue living until I actually can't. And then physically I have to drop down dead. I would like to continue just to see what else I am.
1: And to come at this from a slightly different angle. You know, I've, I've had conversations on the show before with people who have, who have considered suicide. Um, and so I wonder how you, how, how you approach that, how you, honor that contemplation um, in a show like this like how you do that 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 consideration justice that some people make and sometimes follow through with and sometimes don't like how how did you approach that
2: i think the text made it a lot easier because there are moments in the text where Yes, the character is wondering, is this life worth living? Um, I say that in that particular way because I know that some people would not say the word suicide. Some mm-hmm. people would say something else. Um, but I know that I can at least say that would link a lot of it together. Um, and then show itself, the play, the text itself, does not shy away from the fact that people will do it. Some people will do it. Some people will do it. Um, is not shy away from the fact that there are people who constantly have ideations of it Um, and it doesn't vilify them either it doesn't pity them it doesn't vilify them Um, it doesn't promote them it doesn't do anything it simply says i see you
1: Right, But I guess I mean that, that you help the text come alive. So if mm. if Ryan has has laid this foundation, I guess my question is more about how you, as someone who wants to live, who wants to live as long as, as he can, as you said, I mean how do you how do you make that text come to life with the actors, with the with the lights? like in this particular instance, I'm, I'm curious mm. about what it takes to, approach this type of question this type of contemplative sometimes end right like what does that what does that take how did
2: you do that i think if we're talking about me the room that i've created is one where it's very open and people can talk and speak and if something is triggering or traumatic they have every space to walk out or or talk about it i think i have a room that actually Sometimes it may seem like digressions, but they're not. Um, it may seem like, oh, we're not on topic anymore. But it's like, no, we are. But I think this has unlock something in us. And I think we need to just chat about it. Yes, there is a time for when the world needs to go, go, go. Yes. But um, at least in the very early stages, there is a lot of time to talk about that, especially that topic. Um, and me, my stage manager, Kat, who I love, the team at New New Diorama, um, Boundless and Nouveau Riche, we have had constant conversations about how can we make this a space that is safe? And safe doesn't necessarily mean constrictive or super positive. just a space that you can say those things and there is some sort of support there. One thing, oh, this is really important, actually. Um, And we all brought this up. Um, one thing that I think has helped allow us to go into those darker depths without really hurting ourselves is two things that uh, well I say one thing or two things, hey, um, that NDT have done,
1: and this is NDT's new diorama theatre. New diorama
2: theatre. The first thing is in the space that we are rehearsing in, in the new space that has lots of um, um, free spaces for people for artists. There is a decompression room. There is a room that is dedicated. There's two, actually. There's two rooms that are dedicated for you to just be in your own space. So You don't have to run outside to meet more people. You don't have to stay in the rehearsal room. There is just a room that is dedicated to, to solely you and rest. That as weird as that might seem in a workplace has been so beneficial it's 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 out of this world how beneficial that has been number one and number two we have a drama therapist attached to this show um her name is Mabiria King and um she has been given slots to all members of the crew um, to, let, to, to just open up their feelings, to ask questions, to just, to just an actual therapy session on them and how they feel about the play now. And she never shares what has been said with us or anything like that. But for the boys in particular who are acting this out all the time and the crew who are having to watch this night after night, to know that they have those two spaces one is a physical space, one is a mental space has been what has allowed us to go to those dark depths and not stay there and not feel trapped there
1: and and in doing so to do them justice exactly yeah yeah that's beautiful you know it's it's caretaking right yeah that and you, you have answered the question now right that that you understand there has to be a a care that attends that is made available to people who are exploring these topics right because what what the theater becomes is to my mind you might have a different view of this but to my mind it becomes like a microcosm of a much larger structural possibility right Mm. that in this exploration of this particular topic I know that it's not the theme of the show but like mm. that in the expression and exploration of this particular topic that you are practicing like a, a, a custodial a custodial care right a, a caretaking of the people involved in this process of storytelling and if we it's a it's a practice that we'd love to see replicated in the world right if we looked after people more fully more wholly in physical ways in mental ways in economic ways that maybe these considerations wouldn't be considerations in the first place
2: And even then, they may still be considerations. That's true. That's the that's the hard tea that we've all had to swallow. That's the hard tea that we've all had to swallow. That after all that, some people may still do it. But what we can assure you is that a lot of people will will consider (laughs) rather than commit Mm. because these spaces are available.
1: What impact do you want your work to have? And and I say this with for black boys but also outside of it as you create as you explore your imagination and you share the your imagination with the rest of us which is such a wonderful honor what, what what impact do you want to have what should we take away from what you put into the world
2: it is your duty to continue to exercise your imagination otherwise no innovation no heart no soul can rise and effect it is we 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 must indulge in our imagination indulge um, is such a great way of saying it sorry to interrupt <laughs> yeah it's good yeah we must just um and no it doesn't have to be all the time i get it we have lives to live i get it we've got the real world stuff to do but we must find a space in our time to indulge in our imagination we need to all have something that makes our mind go wild and go flip block we need something that makes us feel genius you know what i mean we need something that just we need that and what i'd like to do with my work is to make you consistently consider wow i could do that i could do this i didn't even thought about this this made me think of this and i know i know in that way your imagination is working with your senses. It's working in that way. And I think that's so important. I think only theatre does it in that way. Every art form does stuff to your imagination, as it should. That's what art should do. Um, and I am an artist in, in in a variety of other ways, or hopefully in time to be in a variety of other ways. But one thing that keeps on making me come back to theatre is the fact that you li- we are literally... In these few hours, we are sitting in this space, you're looking at this stage, and you're filling it in. And that's making you do other stuff. Um, one thing that people keep on saying about my work is, um, oh, it made me think of it as a film. It made me think of it as cinematic. Now, obviously, most people will hear that and be like, oh, why don't you just make your work into films? But actually, I've come to understand what that at least means for me. Mm-hmm. And what it means for me is that no, it just meant that your imagination was working, and because we're so used to the visual age and vis- vision, and, and 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 moving image, that is how your imagination worked, and that's what you saw, and that's what you tapped into. That's that that's actually a really good sign that you were thinking of something else because of what you just saw on stage. That's a really good sign, as I was alluding to earlier in this conversation that your story matters, especially to my Black people out there, Um, especially to them, that your story matters. And I just wanna say really quickly now to anybody hearing this, um, obviously I'm a queer Black man, um, and I want to see more queer Black British stories in a multitude of ways, Um, from the mundane to the wild. We need it, we need more. That's what I mean by your story matters, because, yes, it's not going to be for everyone. It's not going to be for everyone. But for someone like me, um, for other black queer boys out there, it means something to them.
1: Um, You keep saying the word wild, which I'm really drawn to. I think it's a beautiful word and it sets off my imagination. But you say on your website, I have found a real desire to create work that stretches the imagination of all who watch. I want to work with people who have a desire to cultivate stories that are wild, seasoned, and passionate. I want to create and recreate worlds on stage. As an artist, I want my work to always inspire, especially for people like me. And aside from the fact that I love the world, the words wild and cultivate, you remind me of my favorite. One of my favorite authors and scholars, Kevin Quashy, who busy being Black listeners will be tired of me talking about already, I'm sure. <laughs> but he has a wonderful, tremendous book called The Sovereignty of Quiet. And in it, he says that Blackness as we understand it is always supposed to tell us something about race, democracy, violence, whiteness. And that construction of Blackness is anti-Black because mm. he says we lose what he calls our wild and voluptuous interior lives. And I just, there's a connection there, right? That, that what you're creating and what you want to create in the world is uh, a route for us to get back to that interior life, that, that vibrant wildness of the interior, right? That, and I'm really grateful that you're doing that in the world.
2: Thank you. I guess what wild means to me is just, it's the freedom that we've been asking for. It's the, it's the freedom that we've been asking, the freedom that we've, all, like, especially as Black people, we've been, we've been begging for. As Black British people, sometimes it's the freedom that we didn't even know we wanted. Um, I think sometimes we look at our Black American counterparts um, and we see, or at least we seem to see, a plethora of different ways in which they tell their stories and are a plethora of different ways in which they just exist together and they come together and do that. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen here. It does, but it, get, it gets dispersed very quickly and very seedily and very quietly to the point where we didn't know it even happened. Um, and I think what I want, especially for Black British people, is an op- is a... Is a freedom to be wild because the british society that we live in does not like wildness it does not like exuberance it does not like feelings it does not like it does it cannot stand it and we have it us black british people whether we're from the diaspora and naturalized here or we've been born here um, and I know not everybody takes on the black British mantle. I only take it on as a am a British Ghanaian, but I acknowledge that side of me that has been brought up here. And we have tons of fun and freedom and wildness and anger and raw and this and that, we have tons. And I feel like sometimes in order for us to be heard, there's no franchise to anyone. Um, but sometimes in order for us to be heard we 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 tend to make ourselves smaller and more palatable and more quote-unquote naturalistic um and that's one thing i've noticed about american works: is yes you can get the supernaturalistic and then you can get something like nothing like it what we're what we're doing here with for black boys is not naturalistic in that way it it is in and out of naturalistic acting but it's not in its whole essence form naturalistic and I think this British society and when I look at some of the plays that used to happen like I I read some of the 80s stuff and I was like oh wow we were on our way to going what," and then something just went right (laughs) yeah and and it's like it was the age of realism it was the age of um, well, not even realism, because even realism is a, is, is a word that's thrown around. That I don't think we always understand what that could mean in theatre. But it's the age of, I just want to write about my life. Do you know what I mean? Um, which I fully respect and I grew up upon. But I now feel like we need the, I just want to write about my life. And somebody writes about their life as a kitchen sink drama. And then somebody writes their life as a ridiculous musical. And then someone writes their life as a, as a place set on a race car track. And then someone writes their life, like for black boys, because it's like, it's just not my life. It's a lot of other people's lives too. And then someone writes their life as one long dance piece. And it's consistent. Mm-hmm. It is a consistent thing. And it's consistently upheld.
1: And I don't want us to fall into
2: fads. Exactly. I don't want us to fall into fads. Ever. I don't, want, I don't want you to make a piece of work like this because someone else did it like that and so therefore you feel like that's what, the only way that you can tell your story. I don't want you to do that. I don't want anyone to do that. And I feel like in, in Britain, we are a lot of the time conditioned to do that. Now, saying that, I'm really excited about my generation, Ryan Calais Cameron being one of them. Um, my generation of artists in general um, that are Black, that are coming up and challenging form and when i say not just challenging form making form work for them because sometimes even when i say challenging form it's like i'm doing this because i'm telling you that i don't like you no i haven't got time to think about you white oppressor i am interested <laughs> in just making this form work for me because this generally is the best way for me to tell my story and the way that is it, it suits my soul that is what i'm interested in um That is what I want. That is what I want people to do and watch this play and go, I can write a story about this and this and this and this and this and this and this way. That is the fantasia that we are all striving for in this crew, in this cast. We want you to feel like you can go out there and write whatever you want in any way, especially for this play, especially the black men, black men who have been ostracised, black men who have been oppressed, Black men who have been um, hurt. Hurt in a variety of ways. And when I say Black men, I'm gonna make it very clear because sometimes you you hear Black men and you think of the straight Black man in the suit, or you think of my guy in the hoodie. I'm not just saying them, they're included too, but they're not the only.
1: What I'm hearing is a Black Britishness without limits.
2: We we are just about this. Listen, we only really started using that term from like the eighties and nineties. We didn't use that term before. We said first generation, second generation. Now we're saying Black British. We are only just beginning to examine what that really means. Um, So let's do it in our way. Do we even know what our way is? Let's find out.
1: Tristan, thank you so much for being here and for this lively and wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I hope everybody listening to this is going to watch the show though because <laughs> I'm not having it. I went and bust my gut out on, on this podcast. Pour my heart and you don't come watch the show. I'm not here for it. I'm sure so, they'll <laughs> So I hope to see tickets being bought.
1: I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tristan. Tristan finn Iduenu is a playwright, actor, and director. He's written for the Royal Court, directed at the Young Vic, and performed at the National Theater. He's received awards from the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama and Roehampton University. For Black Boys Who Have Considered Suicide When the Hue Gets Too Heavy is a new show from Nouveau Riche, written by Ryan Kelly Cameron and directed by Tristan. In it, six young Black men meet for group therapy and let their hearts and imaginations run wild. You'll find links to the show and more information about Tristan in the show notes. Busy Busy Being Black is the podcast exploring how we live in the fullness of our queer Black lives. Thank you to our partners, UK Black Pride, Blackout UK, The 10th, Schools Out, and to you, the listeners. Your support of Busy Being Black means the world. Please do rate and review the show and tell others. The more you do, the more people like us get to hear the stories and voices amplified here. And finally, thank you to my friend and co conspirator Lazarus Lynch, a musician and culinary extraordinaire based in New York City, for creating Busy Being Black's triumphant and ancestral theme music.